Hey friends, welcome back to Doable Discipleship, a satellite church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as we love to call it, the show that helps you grow. Another special episode this weekend. It's not our normal Tuesday release. We're having a special conversation with Pastor Matt Brown from Sandals Church. He um, was just speaking here at Saddleback this weekend, and we just had the opportunity to uh, spend some time with him here. So Matt, thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, so I, I I understand. Correct me if you're wrong. My I, I understand that this is your 25th year with Sandals Church. Is that right? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I started <laughs> the church when I was seven. <laughs> yes, that that's right. It, it was amazing how you were able to bring so many people in at such a young age, at yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah God moved. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on 25 years at Sandal. I, I wanted to kind of to just kind of ask about about that. What would you say has been, I don't know, like your biggest learning? If you if you think back to where you were 25 years ago to where you are now, what is like something that you're like, man, I if I had known this back then, like this has been a key learning for me in this time. Yeah, I would have memorized and tattooed purpose-driven church on my <laughs> chest. Uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, I read that book like so many guys in the nineties and I, I just didn't realize the clarity and, and, um, just the blessing of purpose driven right away. And so I, I would have just gone all in on that sooner. Um, I think Rick stumbled upon the challenges that we all face as a church is how do you take the crowd and move them to the core? Yeah. And that's, that's just the challenge even more so today in 2022. I mean, uh, you know, 90% of our viewership is online now. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah. So how do I move 90% from the crowd, which is now digital yeah. to the core, which is in relationship, growing in Christ, serving, uh, worshiping. I mean, you know, the five principles that he talked about, I always told somebody uh, that if I ever wrote a book on church planting, it would be how not to plant a church. <laughs> and so I, I made every mistake you can imagine. Um, just, just Sandals Church is the result of the great, gr the graciousness of God moving in spite of me, uh, hiring wrong, uh, just just colossal mistakes. Um, but God has been so good to us, and I have learned. I, I just tell people, God knows that I learn more through mistakes than I do through vision, and so uh, that's why I've just come to love and appreciate Rick Warren so much because he just. He had an understanding and a grasp, I think, sooner than most guys. Some guys never get the grasp sure. of, of moving people. And, you know, sometimes people roll their eyes with um, 101, 201, 301, 401. It's like, look, everybody needs a step. Everybody needs steps. And so um, that's what I would say is just um, be more organized, be more specific, and don't be afraid. If there's any church planners listening, don't be afraid to tell people who you are. Mm. I think that um, – I was afraid that if I was clear, I would lose people. Well, you lose people anyways. So, so be clear, um, give people clarity and, and let people decide, Hey, do I, do I want to follow this guy or not? Do I want to, do I want to be a part of this church or not? And I've just learned people appreciate that. You know, nobody, nobody likes to get bamboozled, you know? Um, you know, I, I just, um, we just finished our, our, our hundred thousand mile bumper to bumper warranty on our, on our car. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not bumper to bumper. That's not what they meant. <laughs> it's never quite that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always a deductible It dry. I get so angry every time, you know, I'm paying a deductible. They didn't say that when I bought bumper to bumper coverage. Yeah. Right. And so nobody likes that. So if it's bumper to bumper, tell them. And so I think we need to do that in the church. We need to be upfront about what we believe. Uh, we need to be loving to all, but not apologetic for, for, for what we believe God said. Mm. And God's word is God's word. 
And um, I think so many guys today, they think they got to compromise on God's word to reach people. Well, I would just say, then you're reaching them to what? Yeah. Like, I, you know, uh, I think about when Jesus said, unless you eat my blood and, uh, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And, and I don't know about you, but I probably would have walked out during that sermon. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> and it says, you know, most of the disciples left. Yeah. And Jesus says to Peter, are you two going to leave me? And Peter's like, yeah, that was weird. I mean, that's weird, <laughs> but, but you alone have the words that lead to eternal life. So, so I just think that there's some things, um, in our faith that don't always translate perfectly to our culture, but that doesn't matter. We, we have to preach the word of God. Otherwise we're not changing anyone. No yeah. one's being transformed. And so much of the, the preachers that are my age, I think they're motivational. They're not transformational. Mm. And, and you only have transformation if you're preaching the word of God. And, um, and that's true for my life. Yeah. That's true for everyone's life. And, um, um, so, so, so that's what I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think you'll ever read Matt Brown's how to, how to plan a church book, but, <laughs> uh, but I've learned a lot. And, um, I, I, like I said, just know who you are. And, and I mean, look at what God has done at Saddleback. And I think God has blessed sandals the most the last 15 years when I just said clarity, this mm -hmm. is who I am. I'm not changing. Um, I'm Matt Brown. I can't, I can't be anybody else. Everybody else is taken. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just going to trust God and follow him. And, and God's given us this specific vision of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's what I think you're seeing in so many, so many churches. I was talking with pastor Rick this last week on the phone and I, I just had a minute and I said, how are you processing all of your friends bombing out at yeah. the end of their ministry? And he just told me, he says, it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. And, and I just asked him, I was like, how, how did, how did, how do I not end that way? Yeah. And, um, and his just thing was just love the church and love God and fear the Lord. And I was like, okay, you know, um, that's what I'm going to do because I just think people are, are, are so focused on being relevant. They're forgetting to, to be reverent mm. toward the Lord and the beautiful thing that we have in Jesus and the word of God. And so, um, you know, that's what I just told my church last week. If you want to experience God's preference presence, you got to learn to have reverence. reverence. And, um, I think we've lost that a little bit, you know, as we've moved away from some of the traditions, which I think is good. You know, I think so many people that come to sandals or, or Catholic or whatever, and, yeah. and they're just lost in that 2000 year old tradition. Um, but, uh, um, but, uh, sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Technically, but, uh, <laughs> But, but what we've done is, you know, kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. You've got, you've got to maintain the reverence. Yeah. So I want, I want people to experience both, man, the, uh, just the clarity of contemporary church, but also the wonder yeah. and the mystery of who God is. And so, uh, hopefully at Saddleback weekend, in my weekend at Saddleback, some of your listeners got a little bit of that. And, um, I, I, I just think you don't have to be weird to be wowed by God. Yeah. Agreed. I think God has got enough weird people in his name. He doesn't <laughs> need so. I wanted to go back on something that you were saying, because you were talking about how, uh, how it was the graciousness of God that made up for all of your mistakes as you were going through church planning. And I think I'm sure that there were, were people that were listening to be like, Oh man, I make mis I, I, I mess things up all the time in, and I'm not even a church planter. And I still, I mess up things all the time in my life. And I, I think there was something so powerful about that idea of if you are walking with God, if you are if you are in, in love with God, if you are bringing him and involving him in your life, 
yes, m- mistakes are still going to happen, but it doesn't mean that God stops using you. It doesn't mean that God can't redeem it. It doesn't yeah. mean that God can't make it better. And so I, I just love that idea of acknowledging that mistakes are going to happen, that things are going to be messed up because we're broken, imperfect people. Um, but that God is so much greater than that. And his care for you can still be so evident and present that he can bring you through all of the, all of the things that you mess up. <laughs> yeah, amen. that's, that's the truth. I, I think the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Yeah. And um, I remember I was praying with a guy in the lobby and he, um, I mean, he, he, he had done something terrible. Mm. I mean, I'm just going to say that. And he confessed that to me in the lobby of a church. And he said, I don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive myself. And I said, I don't know if you will either. So let's start with God mm. because God is a better forgiver than we are. And I said, let's ask, let's ask God to forgive us in Jesus name. And, and let's ask God to help you get to the place where you can forgive yourself. And so I would just say, start with God. That's where grace, um, um, grace is where everything begins. You know, I think as Christians, we think as we think of grace as something that God does once in our lives and then we move past it. And I think Christians need to realize, you know, when, when I get on an airplane, I just don't, I just don't want the pilot to have gas for the takeoff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want the pilot to have gas for the entire flight. And so as Christians, right, Grace is what launches our faith, but it's also what sustains our faith. And so um, I think I was probably a pastor for about 10 years, and um, I just was struggling with with some of the mistakes and sins I'd committed because I was raised right like a lot of people. I knew the difference between right and wrong, and I chose freely in college to, to do some things that I knew I shouldn't do. And I was in counseling, and um, the counselor just said, why don't you think you can forgive yourself? And I just said, I don't know. He, he said, do you think your sin is greater than the blood of Jesus? Mm. Mm. Right? <laughs> That's like, wait, like, whoa. <laughs> like, oh, no, right? No. Um, and so here's the thing for everybody listening. I think we preach the God, the good news to everyone else. When's yeah. the last time you preached it to yourself? Yeah. You know, and, um, and so, I mean, that was transformative in my life. And um, again, that's, that's why being real with self is just such a huge part of, of what I believe sets you free. Yeah, that's right. Is there, I, I, and the pastors that I've been having on the podcast, I've really enjoyed asking them this question because everybody approaches it so differently. And for people who may be listening who, who aren't pastors, it's, it's, it's good for them to kind of hear people talk about this. Is there a spiritual growth practice that you've really come to appreciate that maybe you thought of, that that you had heard earlier on and you were like, ah, that doesn't sound like it's for me. But then you've really, as, as you've adopted and you're like, man, I can't, I can't imagine doing life without this practice. Yeah. I think the most important verse for my life is James five sixteen. Hmm. Uh, or, or, you know, have any of you sin, let him confess his sins one to another so that he may be whole and healed. Hmm. And uh, I talk about that in my book. Yeah that, um, you know, every Christian has heard the verse, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And that, that verse, that, that, that word comes to us from a, a Roman scholar struggling with lust for a nun mm-hmm. riding in a cave in Bethlehem. <laughs> and, and, and he misses the meaning of the word. The word doesn't mean be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. It means complete mm-hmm. whole. If you're chasing perfection, you're always going to fall short. 
what if you chased wholeness? Be whole, be complete like God is whole and complete. And that's what James says. He doesn't say you want to be perfect, confess your sin. He says you want to be whole and healed. And um, so many times as Christians, we forget that when Jesus talks about saving, the Greek word sozo means to heal and to save. It's the same word. Yeah. He wants to do a work in your life physically and spiritually. And, and we need to know that. And so I started the practice of confession. And, and I would just say, if you feel far from God, when's the last time you confessed your sin? I sin every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. I woke up this morning. My wife looked at me and she said, can we talk about some stuff? And I was like, here we go. Uh, I just woke up. What? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and I believe she had a prophetic word for me. She said, hey, here's some things I'm seeing in your life. I didn't like it, but she was right. And I just said, thank you so much for loving me enough to tell me the truth. And I said that sin. Sometimes as Christians, we think sin is evil, but the word sin means to miss the mark. We, we, we miss the bullseye. Yeah. We all fall short of the glorious standard of God. It doesn't mean we're committing evil. It means we weren't our best. We said the wrong thing. We did the wrong thing. We thought the wrong thing. We uh, falsely believed the wrong thing about somebody, you know, their motives. Um, and so, you know, I just said, I just said, please forgive me for my sin. I'm sorry. And, and that's what I would say is if you want to grow in, in grace, grow in confession. Mm-hmm. You know, John says in first John one, nine, um, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that's just been a huge practice for me. Christians should be the best at saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you've never seen a Christian school with the mascot called the apologizers, but that's what it <laughs> should be, right? Yeah, sure. We should, be, we should be the best apologizers. I'm so sorry because we have the spirit of God inside of us that says that was wrong. You shouldn't have said that. Um, and, and we have the grace to forgive ourselves and move forward. Exactly. Yeah. I would just say James five sixteen is, is one of the most right up there with John eight thirty two. the truth shall set you free. One of the most transformative principles for me that it's normal to confess. So here's what happened in our church history. You used to have to go to the priest for confession. Yeah. That's weird. And I think unhelpful. <laughs> so, we got rid of that, but then we've lost this practice, this thousand, two thousand year old practice of saying, man, I messed up today. And here's the thing. So many believers, they say, well, I confessed it to God. Yep. That's great. But there is power in confessing it to each other. You know, yeah. I, I tell so many Christians, the reason you can't get rid of your private struggle is it's private. Confess it to someone else. The enemy's power is in darkness. Jesus's power is in the light. And when we bring it into the light and I look someone like you in the eye and I say, brother, I've sinned and I'm sorry. And, and I, I, you know, I want to repent from this. We don't excuse it. I want to turn from this. Would you pray over me? Because I want to be forgiven. And that's powerful stuff, man. That's how you get released from bondage. That's how you get released from bad habits, bad hurts. Um, you know, that's how we give God our deepest wounds. Yeah. You know, because for so many of us, it's not the event that's destroying us. It's our interpretation of the event and how we're carrying the past forward. And that's the beautiful thing. Jesus won't just take your sin. He'll take your hurt. And uh, and I love that. Well, and that's what's uh, what's amazing about it is is if you enter in this practice of confession, it's it's adopting the Christ given culture of grace rather than the culture of shame 
that had mm-hmm. come from sin. And so as we as we enter into that practice with each other, it's allowing, it's building up an environment, a culture, a, a trust of grace, rather than when you keep things quiet and then if ultimately it comes out, then it is completely shame-filled. Mm, and you're yeah. like, and so if you want to be somebody who builds a culture of grace into your life, into your relationships, then that almost daily practice of confession can go a long way in establishing that. Yeah. And I mean, it can be as simple as Lord, I, I fell short today. Yeah. I lost my temper with my kids. I was short with my wife. Um, I got angry, yeah. you know, Southern California. I know most <laughs> of you Southern California. I lose my mind and almost my salvation every time I'm on the freeway. Right. It's just like, good God. You know, um, I mean, that's a joke by the way, about yes. salvation. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it's, I'm human every day I wake up and, you know, it's why Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself daily and pick up his cross and follow me every day. I got to wake up and choose God every day. And, uh, man, there's a big part of me every day that chooses myself that wants to choose selfishness and sin. And so I, you know, I just, there's just so much freedom in your marriage to just say, I sinned. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You know, I'm really sorry. So, um, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit ago that, that you have um, a book that recently came out. It was called, it's called A Book Called You, and it looks at the Enneagram from a biblical perspective. Now, let's start out. For people who may not know, could you just give maybe a quick overview of the Enneagram and kind of how you came to engage with it and then <laughs> how you felt compelled yeah. to write a book about it? Yeah, so I would just tell everybody, you know, you say the word Enneagram and, and um, it's like anything today, mask, no mask, vaccine. No, I mean, people just automatically kind of go in there. <laughs> they camps. have a side. Yep. <laughs> they have a side. And so what I would just say is if, uh, if you're not about the Enneagram, that's fine. Um, you know, in John chapter nine, there's this guy, this poor guy who gets, uh, healed by Jesus. He's a blind guy. Jesus spits in the ground, makes mud. <laughs> I don't know what Jesus deal is with spitting, but love to do that. And, um, you know, there's this whole controversy about, you know, Jesus did something different. So therefore he must be evil. And I think as Christians, we have to be careful just because something's different and new doesn't mean it's evil. And so about 1400 years ago, this is at least where my research says it started. There was this, uh, Jewish, excuse me, this, um, Christian monk named Evagoras Ponticus, you know, maybe not the name you want to pick for your kid, (laughs) but he, 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 he almost lost everything. He was the most educated, uh, monk at the time he could read and write Greek and Hebrew, you know, promising career, right? I mean, everything is going for him Mm. and he has an affair with a a married woman and he almost loses his life because this married woman was married to a politician in Mm. Constantinople. And so you can imagine that husband didn't appreciate what he did. (laughs) So he fled um, for his life to Bethlehem and he met a, uh, a woman there who, uh, a sister who ran, uh, just kind of a place for, for spiritual seekers. And she said, you need to devote your life to, um, running away from power, influence, money, wealth. And even, you know, for him, it was a vow, not only of poverty, but of, um, purity, no more sex. And he did it. And so he got, he got alone in this cave, uh, in uh, Egypt, she sent him to Egypt and what he realized after years was even though he only ate once a day, he prayed like 20 hours a day. 
he still had sin in his life. Mm. And, and, and that's, I think the thing that we're all missing is we just think if we can change everything around us, that'll change what's inside us. And the gospel is the problem is not without it's within. And so he came up with, um, these nine ways that we struggle. So he's the first person that put it down. And then he said, uh, and so that's what the Enneagram is nine sins that we all struggle. And so a lot of people are familiar with, you know, Myers Briggs or strength finders or any kind of personality assessment. What makes the Enneagram unique is it's based on the sin that you struggle with Mm -hmm. and how to move away from it. Uh, now not everybody that uses the Enneagram is Christians and some are weird and some of them are cultic, (laughs) but, um, I tell people it's a tool. You know, it's like the kitchen knife. Uh, my, my kitchen knives in my kitchen are not dangerous unless somebody breaks into my house and uses it to hurt me. Yeah. That's the way that I view the Enneagram. It's a, it's a sharp tool that helps me as long as it's in the right hands. And so that's why I wrote my book, uh, Understand the Enneagram from a, Bibli- from a grace-filled biblical perspective. Some people still don't like it. They're not interested in it. Uh, It's a great book. You know, Rick Warren wrote some really kind words about it. Uh, He uses it. Saddleback uses it. Um, I love Steve Gladen said this to me when I was getting criticism for it. He said, Matt, all truth is God's truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the Enneagram helps us become uh, truthful with ourselves and it helps us see ourselves. I think it's a hilarious book. You're going to die laughing. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think uh, humor is, is my gift. Uh, I love to use humor. I, I tell people I make you laugh and then I punch you in the gut and then I hug you. <laughs> and I, I think that's a great way to communicate in our culture. And so here's what I would tell people. The the poor blind guy, right? He gets criticized. He gets kicked out of the synagogue. His own parents abandoned him. And as he's being grilled, here's what he says. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. Yeah. When people say, why do you write about the Enneagram? Here's all I know. I was blind to myself and God used the Enneagram to help me see myself. And there were so many things that my wife said for years that I just didn't agree with. Sure. I did not agree. And it's because I couldn't see it. Just think about how scary that is. Every one of us has some blind spots that we can't see in ourselves. Yeah. And so Evagoras, so, so is the Enneagram Christian? I, it was originally thought of by a Christian. Mm. So regardless of what people, you know, um, think about it. It was a Christian who first thought about it. There's been, you know, philosophers and there's been a a clinical psychologist that they get most of the attention now on, on, on uh, the internet. But I mean, I think clinical psychologists can help us take biblical principles Mm -hmm. and learn how to to become more healthy. And so I think that's a good, good thing. And so, but some Christians think it's a bad thing. It's really helped me. I once was blind, but now I see and God used it, I'll tell you, to change my marriage, mm. to change my life. You know, at Saddleback, you guys talk about shape. Yeah. Uh, it helped me find my shape. It yeah, helped, it, it helps you understand see, your personality, your people. Yeah, it helped yeah. me see myself. And I, and I, you know, you would think, oh, of course I know myself. Man, I didn't. <laughs> so. That's powerful. So, so as a, as a nine who has struggled with the sin of being a people pleaser. Yes. <laughs> what would your number be on, on uh, on the Enneagram and your wing. Yeah. So I'm a three. Okay. Um, so the, the biblical Achiever, character. Right? So what I do in the book is I, I, I talk about the Enneagram. I tell you about the Enneagram, but then I pick a Bible character. Oh, that's so cool. yours, yours is Abraham. Oh, it's great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, wants to please people, wants to please his wife. So yeah. he sleeps with Hagar. Yeah. I don't recommend it. Yeah. Um, not going there. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, you know, guys, listen, that's not a good idea. Like, you know, I don't care. 
I, you know, I won't pretend avoids, that my wife is my sister either. You know, we yeah, got, well, he have, right because he avoids conflict. <laughs> exactly. That's what he does. I don't. I don't want us to get killed. Tell tell him you're my sister. Yeah. I mean, it's just so many weirdness. Mine is the rich young ruler. Okay. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And so, always focused on success. And 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 when you're focused on success, you lack substance. Mm. And so that's the three in me. And what what makes me so sad about that story is, he walks away from the God of all creation for things, for things. And that's what threes do. Uh, Most of our politicians are threes. Most of our pastors are threes. Um, You know, the beauty of threes is right. We change the world. Uh, But the, the, the sin of threes is we wreck our lives. Mm. Uh, I told my wife, I don't want to build our church on the backs of our marriage or our children. That's good. At at the end of the day, I want to be on my deathbed surrounded by my one wife, uh, marriage is not easy, but it is worth it. Yeah. Um, and I want to be surrounded by my three children mm. and I want them to love me, you know? Um, and, and, and that's a lot of work for a person that's in the public eye. Yeah. Um, you know, my kids and my wife have had to share me with thousands of people. That is not an easy dance mm. for anyone. And, um, shoot, I get emotional. Mm. Um, I think, I think it's, it's been the hardest on them. Mm. You know, it's my calling, uh, but it's been their struggle. Mm. And so, um, you know, uh, you know, I think about, you know, Rick and Kay, you know, uh, and all the hurt they've gone through and, um, and having to do all of that publicly, you know, I mean, most of us, right. When something goes wrong, we, we get to deal with it privately and praise God for that. Yeah. That's the way you, uh, you should do it. But, um, uh, that's another thing you need to know about me, man. I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I mean, it's the way God made me. Um, my kids, when we go watch a romantic comedy, they watch me cry sure. uh, instead of watching the movie. But, um, you know, my kids have had to share me. Mm. And uh, nobody should have to share their dad. But, um, you know, that's been their life. And so I, I've had to work hard to make them feel loved and important and, um, you know, um, seen. I remember we took a vacation years ago and I asked them, what was the, what was your favorite part? And they said, nobody interrupted our dinner. Mm. I mean, can you believe that? Um, you know, they liked anonymity. It was, it was powerful for them. Um, so, you know, I think all of our jobs, all of our marriages have stresses, you know, no job is easy. I don't care what you do. Um, being a pastor has its own perks and challenges. Uh, being a pastor of, you know, one of the largest churches in America, that's weird for me to say, (laughs) but it's true, um, has its perks and privileges and it has its pitfalls, man. And you got to be aware of it. And that's why, you know, I've tried to be as close to Rick as I can over the years, um, to try to learn from him. Um, Cause you know, he, he's had to go first, you know, yeah. be one of the first to experience this culture and you know, it's not easy. And so I praise God that, you know, he's finished his career scandal free. And I, I, I love, I love that about him. And, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Mm. And, um, and I, and I praise God for him and um, you know, he encourages me, but so, so I would just say what, whatever you, you know, cause probably nobody listening is pastoring a mega church, but <laughs> whatever you do, it's hard today. It's hard to be a mom. It's hard to be a dad. It's hard to be single. It's hard to be married. 
um, it's hard to, to not be able to get pregnant, man. It's hard because you have too many kids. I mean, I, you know, I preach that people got all these issues, you know, um, everything under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. And just know that God sees you. He loves you. And if you can just relax and trust him, um, man, that's another thing you asked me, what would I tell young Matt Brown? (laughs) Sure. God has a plan. Hmm my life verse are many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And uh, I know you guys are purpose driven, but God is purpose driven. God has a purpose for your life. And you'll, if you just get out of the way and trust him and you know, little kids are hard. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I got three, I got, I got two and one on the way. Little, little, littles. (laughs) Yeah. I tell, I tell my church, if you have multiple children under the age of five, you have no idea how close to hell you are. (laughs) You know, they're, they're, God makes them beautiful, so we don't eat them, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just it, little kids are right. They're 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 bipolar. They <laughs> one second they are the cutest thing you've ever seen, and the next second they're psychotic yeah. and a terrorist. That is uh, holding, very true. <laughs> captive, and and as a parent, you don't know which mood you're getting. Yeah, and um. And, 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 you know, I tell parents, there's this sweet, if you've got little kids, there's this sweet age from about five to 12 mm. and just enjoy it because teenage years are coming. <laughs> it's you know? coming back to get you. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, whenever you're on the airplane and the pilot says, Hey, we've got some turbulence ahead and that is the teenage years. And so just be ready. It's bumpy, but it's worth it. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tammy and I, we've been through that. And, uh, if I could go back, man, I'd be more intentional about time with my kids because it goes by so fast. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Jordan Peterson says, you know, he's so he's all over the internet right now with yep. his quote, of, you only get little kids for four years. Mm. It's, it, now when you're in it like you, right. It yeah. feels like a thousand years, <laughs> but they're only little like that once yeah. and enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. And, um, it, it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time. It's a hard time. You're not sleeping. You know, I mean, you got to go to zone defense. So you guys have multiple <laughs> it's, it's a real challenge, but, um, but it's so worth it. And, and I love my, my kids dearly. I have two girls and one son mm. and, um, I love them all. And they're so different. Yeah. So unique. And, um, and that's the weird thing about being a parent, right? We, there are kids, they all came from the same mom and dad, but <laughs> they're also different. How did this so happen? Different. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I love hearing your heart for your family and for your kids. And it's in, in that, in, in that reminder of intentionality about, about the time that you get to spend with them and the investment that you have. We all right. have different things that pull us in different ways. So some of us pastor large churches and it feels like you have to be the parent to thousands of people yeah. in some cases. And some of us have, have other jobs and things that pull our attention, but reminding that you have that God has entrusted these kids, this wife, this spouse, you know, to you to invest and in, in pour into is that just like a reminder. And in, uh, in, I thought I'll put a bow on kind of what we're talking about is doing the Enneagram is an example of a way that you can invest in them because you can learn more about yourself, about mm-hmm. your blind spots, like what you were talking about. And so for me, knowing that I am a nine, a people pleaser, like it's something that I can be aware of in my parenting. I can be aware of in my relationship with my wife. And for you as a three, it's something that you can be aware of is. And so, and then as your kids are getting older, it's something that you can, you know, help them, help them understand their personality 
that God made them and, 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 and help them to embrace the good parts of it and to say, okay, here's where the blind spots come in. And that's just, you know, and yeah. And here's, you know, so I did a book tour during the fall and, you know, I met thousands of people, you know, it's just so weird. And, you know, when you get to see that something you've written has touched and changed somebody's life. But I remember this really gruff police officer came up to me and I was like, Oh no, this is, this is not going to go well. And he said, he said, your book didn't do much for my wife and I, I was like, (laughs) Oh, this is terrible. Um, and then he started crying. Mm. He said, but it changed my life with, it changed my relationship with my son. Mm. He said, my son's a five on the Enneagram. And, uh, if you're a parent, fives don't act out, they act in. Mm -hmm. And he said, I've never known how to reach my son or connect with my son. And I love him more than anything on earth. And he said, your book gave me hope and it gave me the best conversation my son and I have ever had. And this scary cop hugs me and says, thank you. (laughs) And I I was like, I was like, I'm going to get beat up, man. Um, you know, but he didn't, he didn't do that. He yeah. was just, you know, it's just interesting. You know, you know, you're a pastor. You never know, man, if exactly. how this never know how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. so, um, but God was good. God was mm. so good during that series. And that's the thing I love hearing. And, and, you know, I know at Saddleback, you guys are big on service. That's, that's the beauty of life is knowing that what you do change someone's life for eternity. Yeah. That, well, I, there, there's nothing worth more than that. Yeah. There's nothing worth more than knowing I change someone's life for eternity. Someone's going to be in heaven because of me or, or somebody experienced some heaven on earth because of me, something I wrote, something I did. And, uh, so yeah, the book's called you and, um, you know, uh, at Saddleback, you guys have, uh, the great commitment and the great commandment, right? Yeah, yeah. The great commission, excuse me, and the great commandment. Yes. And so for the Saddleback members that forgot, right, one is <laughs> going to all the world. Uh, that's the commission, but the great commandment is to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor. Here's the thing we forget as yourself. Yeah. And I think as Christians, I think we're on mission, but we forget that we are God's mission. And so that's why the book's called you because Jesus Christ loves you, sent his son to die for you, wants to change you. And, um, that's why I wrote it. That's great. That's great. And we will put the link to that in the show notes. So make sure that you check out this new book, You by Matt Brown. And uh, if you did not get to check out his weekend service here at Saddleback, make sure to go uh, online and do that. We'll put the link in the description as well. Matt, uh, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, and thanks for being here with, at Saddleback with us too. I always love having you visit. Yeah. Thank you, brother. God bless. Thanks, man. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode 
Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.